Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm Erica. And I'm Abby. And today I'm going to tell you about the Fisher family. And today I'm drinking some hot coffee with some vanilla protein drink in it. I don't know. (laughs) And a Crime Over Coffee mug. Yeah, I'm drinking a screwdriver. (laughs) Full disclosure, I know we say good morning, but let me just say it is not morning during this recording. (laughs) Never. (laughs) For many reasons. So pour yourselves a strong cup of joe or whatever you're drinking and let's dive in. We will continue on with our content for this week's episode shortly, but first we wanted to take a moment to let you know about an opportunity to listen to even more Crime Over Coffee content. By signing up for our Patreon, you can receive ad-free episodes and additional content. To check out this opportunity and sign up for the Crime Over Coffee Patreon, visit www.patreon.com slash crimeovercoffeepod. Thank you again for all of your support. Robert William Fisher was born on April 13th, 1961. In high school, he met his soon-to-be wife, Mary, and they got married after high school and were married for 16 years. They bought a house in Scottsdale, Arizona, and had two kids, Brittany and Bobby. In 2001, Brittany was 13 years old and Bobby was 10 years old. They seemed like a normal family, um, nothing too big to report initially, However, a concern came on April 13, 2001, when there was a massive explosion in the residential neighborhood that Robert, Mary, Bobby, and Brittany lived in. They soon realized that it was the Fisher household, and the blast had actually like ripped through the roof, and there were flames flying up, and a lot of this is on video, and there's pictures of it, and this house was just getting absolutely wrecked by this fire. The home essentially was destroyed by the time firefighters were able to really contain the fire. However, when they are able to put it out, they go inside and they're looking through the remnants of the house and they are able to find the charred remains of Mary, Brittany, and Bobby. After looking at them, they had determined that Mary, Brittany, and Bobby did not actually die from the fire. All three of them had had their throats slashed and Mary had also been shot in the head. They were found in their beds and what they discovered was that a natural gas line in the house had been cut and then someone had poured flammable liquid throughout the house and lit a candle and then left. So as the candle burnt down and the gas filled, eventually it ignited. And when it ignited, that's when the explosion happened. And because of all the flammable liquid, the fire just spread. This so far sounds like a targeted attack. Absolutely. On the family specifically. Yes. And something that they are able to figure out is that they cannot find Robert anywhere in the house. Well, that immediately makes Robert look pretty suspicious. Yeah, they are immediately looking for him, either one for any answers or two, like, is he okay? Maybe he is in the fire and we just didn't see him. But they eventually were pretty sure that he was gone because one of the vehicles was also gone. Interesting. Now, 
I know that I said he looks suspicious, but I think if we're speculating, there is a possibility that maybe somebody came in and attacked his family and kidnapped Robert. Because we covered a case like that recently where a bunch of people in the family were attacked and the daughter had been taken and she'd been kidnapped by the person that had attacked the family. So I'm just speculating here and considering all of our options. But at this point, I'm leaning towards Robert is suspicious. And I think that's a fair assumption. And police and investigators decide they're going to start talking to family and friends and seeing if they have any information and whether or not they think Robert could do something like this. From the outside, it did appear that Robert was a pretty normal dude to an extent. Um, There are some weird circumstances that I'll get into later, but from the outside, it seemed like a a pretty normal family. They were in activities with the school. They went to church. It seemed like Robert interacted relatively well with his kids and his wife. However, as they start to dig a little bit deeper, they find out that the marriage was not exactly a happy one. When investigators start digging, they do find out that Robert had served as a firefighter, which instantly is a little suspicious considering the way the house went down. But he did have a back injury and ended up ending his career, so he was no longer able to be a firefighter. And apparently this caused a bit of tension and stress on him. It was sometime after this that their marriage started going downhill. They seemed like they were fighting more. Um, They weren't really getting along. There was reports of neighbors hearing them fighting. Even the night before the explosion, neighbors reported hearing Mary and Robert in a loud heated argument. Another thing they find out is that Robert actually had admitted to Mary that he was having an affair. That's not ideal. It's good, I guess, that he was able to admit it, but it's that's not ideal because now his family's been murdered and now we sort of have a motive for him i mean props to him for being willing to tell her that he was having an affair but now not only does he look suspicious but the person that he was having an affair with looks suspicious i don't know i'm curious to see where this goes yeah you're absolutely right it's not looking good and police dig even deeper and they end up talking to mirna and i'm sorry if i didn't say that right and she's mary's sister and she kind of talks about the fact that Robert had grown up with a divorced family and that the divorce hit him very hard and he really was impacted by it. And Mary, after all this stuff's happening, she's like, I'm done. I'm I'm going to ask for a divorce. And she was planning on leaving him. Once again, motive. She's now frustrated that or he would be frustrated that she is pursuing a divorce now. But that person that he's having an affair with is still also suspicious, I think, because... I don't know. Maybe I'm getting ahead of you. Do we know who he was having an affair with? Do we find out more information about this person? Uh, No, I did not see this person's name anywhere. I'm guessing there's a reason for that because why drag them in if there's no way they were involved? I did not see their name made public, at least in the articles and documentaries I watched. I wanted to ask before I continued to like talk about how suspicious that person looks. Fair. Investigators start to talk to some friends of the family, friends of Robert's, and they do know a couple of strange things they witnessed him do that they noted as a little off-putting. And I kind of mentioned a little bit about this earlier, but I'll talk about a few of these stories that his friends told. One of them is in regards to Robert hunting. So he was a very avid outdoorsman. He hunted, he fished, did all that kind of stuff. 
One time, he and his friends were out hunting, and Robert had killed an elk, and he took the blood from the elk and kind of smeared it all over his face and body. And his friends he was with were kind of like, that's a little odd. Did he have a reasoning for doing that? I'm not a hunter, so I don't know if... Is that to mask your scent? I don't... Well, he'd already killed the elk, so I'm guessing no. I, I didn't know if it was to mask your scent from others. You probably have a cap on how many you can hunt. Well, I would agree. I don't know. I, I'm just like speculating, like, if he got one, can his friends also each get one? And so he would... Ma- like, he was trying to help his friends get one? I have no idea. I'm not a hunter. You know, I've heard about the, like, drinking the blood of your first kill and stuff, but something I want to know is that his friends came forward and said this was weird. Okay. So they were uncomfortable enough with it that it wasn't like a previously talked about thing. Another incident where Robert's friends kind of noted something weird was when they were on a fishing trip. And I guess across the lake, they had seen someone else swimming or fishing or something. And Robert thought it would be funny to like swim across the lake holding a Bowie knife in his teeth. And like, I guess as a joke, but they thought it was really weird. What was the purpose of this? I don't know if it was to like freak out the other fishermen or something. I would be freaked out if I was a fisherman in that instance for many reasons. Anyway, all these kind of things, maybe minor in some way, but people are coming forward talking about how it's kind of weird and you're adding it into this whole story and everything that's happening. Police start to get even more suspicious of Robert. Investigators start to piece together a timeline and what they decide from the information they have is that there was an argument the night before and then the murders probably happened around 9.30 to 10.15 p.m. Additionally, at 10.43 p.m., Robert Fisher appears on an ATM camera and you can see in the back that he's driving Mary's Toyota 4Runner that was missing from the house. Yeah, this isn't looking good for him. I mean, it is looking good for investigators because I think they're about to solve a case. Right. But it is all signs pointing to Robert at this point. Apparently, the family also attended a hunting safety class and shopped for camping related supplies like the night before all this went down. Were they playing a family trip? Not that I know of. They're an outdoorsy family. So I guess you could attribute it to that. But it also looks suspicious that he's buying supplies and then takes off after his family is murdered. And that's the thing. At this point, they know that Robert's alive and his whole family's been murdered. So that just makes him suspicious in and of itself, regardless of any other factor. Mm -hmm. The fact that his family is now murdered and he's like oh well i'm just gonna go on this previously planned hunting trip by myself yeah if it was even a previous plan i mean no one said anything about it but who knows nothing happens until about 10 days later authorities find the abandoned toyota 4runner along with robert fisher's dog about 90 miles northeast of phoenix And they find it kind of like in the woods and it was actually near one of his favorite hunting areas. When they look at the vehicle, they say it was pretty clean. There was no dust on it and it was under pine trees and there were very few pine tree needles on the car. So they believe that it had been placed there within 24 hours of the discovery. And the dog was just kind of running around the outside of the vehicle. Investigators were pretty sure, or thinking at least, that potentially Robert kind of took off and was hiding out in the caves. They start to look around. It's a pretty mountainous area. And they look for days. They bring in a bunch of um, people in and to, to search, and they, they don't find him anywhere. And they end up... I've seen this case pop up a few times, but the biggest 
reason I know about it is because for a very long time, Robert William Fisher was on the 10 most wanted list put on by the FBI. And any of you who are longtime listeners might know that I grew up watching America's Most Wanted. And for whatever reason, this has always fascinated me. And of course, John Walsh being involved. I'm a big fan of his. He actually popped up again on an episode of The Hunt that I was watching, which is hosted by John Walsh a few weeks ago. And it reminded me of this case. So I wanted to cover it. Um, I do recommend watching it. It's a great show. And oftentimes, I mean, the whole basis of it is showcasing people who have committed crimes and are all on the run. So it's very important to publicize that kind of thing so that we can catch these people. And one of the reasons that the 10 most wanted list was actually created was for this very reason. This list has been in existence since March 14th, 1950. Since its inception, 530 fugitives have been on the 10 most wanted list and 494 have been apprehended or located. A number of these come in from tips that come in after people have seen them highlighted on this list. Exactly 163 fugitives have been captured this way. Um, Something really interesting, two fugitives were apprehended as a result of visitors on like an FBI tour, I'm guessing of the building, and they saw them and was like, hey, I I know this person. I did cover this one a while, a while, while ago. The oldest person that was ever placed on the list was 80-year-old Eugene Palmer. He was added in May of 2019. I don't believe he's on there anymore, but don't quote me on that. The big reason for being on this list is to capture these fugitives. And they have kind of a criteria that they use. And this has to do with how likely the fugitive would be, how likely it would be that the fugitive could be caught as a result of this list. If they have a lengthy record of committing serious crimes and they believe that they're going to be Um, a danger to society and those are the biggies but sometimes they get removed from the list and this can happen if they're captured obviously if the federal charges are dismissed or if they no longer kind of fit this criteria back to our story robert fish was added on this on june 29 2002 and he was on this until 2021 and what had happened is they decided to remove him because while he's still at large, they didn't believe that he still fit the criteria. It seemed like that a lot of publicity for his case had already been put out and it hadn't resulted in him being found. And additionally, they weren't sure if he was really fitting the criteria of a continued danger at this point. From what they know, he hadn't engaged in any more illegal activities since he since the murder of his family. I have to say I'm impressed that over all this time it's remained 10. That they've never felt like they needed to increase that number to anything else because and they've been able to move people off, but it's never gotten to a point where they're like we can't take somebody off, but we really need to put this person on. I will say they do have the 10 most wanted, but they do have more on like a secondary list. Yeah. So you guys can definitely go check that out as well. Now an interview with Detective John Heiselman, who is with the Scottsdale Police, who was involved in Robert Fisher's case in 2021 when he was removed from the list, was talking about this. And he kind of was like, it's fine by me. It doesn't really change anything. And something interesting he noted is that they still get like two to three tips a week. 
or about 100 leads a year, he says. Often they don't, or obviously they don't lead to anything concrete or at least concrete enough to find Robert, but they're still looking and on their 20 year anniversary of the murder in 2021 or the murders, they reopened the case and tried to dig into it again and maybe found some new leads, but again, nothing that's resulted in finding Robert Fisher. Essentially, there's three main theories about what happened to Robert. The first is that he's living somewhere under an assumed identity. Um, We all know our opinions, especially Erica's on this, and they have released the age progression photos, so it would be kind of crazy if he was able to fly under the radar with all of this. The second is that he killed himself and his body just wasn't found, whether that be in the woods where he took off or somewhere else. Another theory they talk about is that he'd been on the run for weeks or years, but has since died. And again, he just wasn't identified. The remains weren't connected to him for one reason or another. So Robert William Fisher was born on April 13th, 1961. He has been charged with unlawful flight to avoid prosecution, three counts of first degree murder and arson of an occupied structure. He has brown hair, which now for his age, like he might be have gray hair or be bald. He's six foot, a medium build. He had worked as a fireman, as I had mentioned. He also worked as a respiratory therapist and a surgical catheter technician. He does have surgical scars on his lower back and he was born in Brooklyn, New York, so he does have ties to there as well as Scottsdale, Arizona. His eyes are blue and he weighed about 190 pounds at the time of him taking off. There is a up to $100,000 reward for information that leads directly to the rest of him. As I mentioned, he is an avid outdoorsman, hunter, and fisherman and he's known to chew tobacco and possess several weapons. They believe maybe he has ties to New Mexico and Florida as well. Um, We'll release some information in the age-enhanced photographs as well, but anybody who does have information is asked to call the Scottsdale Police Department at 480-312-5000. Thanks to listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. All of our sources can be found in the show notes for each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. You can also support us by recommending us to friends and family, giving us a good review on Apple Podcasts, or subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.